Salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is I, your humble and glorious host, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. It's time for another great, of course, glorious edition again of Modern Day Gladiators. My goodness, finally in a much better mood because, hey, Tennessee won. Yes, it was against Chattanooga. And, of course, we will talk about my beloved Vols a little bit later on in this first segment, but yes, they won, so I am feeling a lot better. Uh, It's not as dreary as it could be. Yes, there's still probably about a 50-50 shot that Tennessee starts the season one and six, and of course, we'll take a deeper dive into everything going on in the Vols' future a little bit later in this segment, and of course, on the Friday show, as Mr. Trey Pack and myself break it down more in the world of college football. But let's first take a look, of course, at everything that did happen over the last week and everything that's going on in the world of sports. We got some great stuff ahead of you here. And of course, wherever you listen, please make sure to like, share, subscribe, comment wherever you listen, whether that be Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, give us those five-star reviews, any of the places on Outlander Media. Uh, You go to outlandermedia.net. You can check out all the great podcasts just right there in one happy little package, including the new show, Geeks Inherited the Earth, DLC Respawn, of course, Haffle, Night Terrors, Scared Stupid, all of them, Deadbeat Radio, all the great shows. We got more and more coming. We're taking over the world. You better get on board now while you've still got time. It's going to be awesome. Wherever you listen, give us those five-star reviews. We sure do appreciate it. And, of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Michael underscore Shibley. And, of course, you check out the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook and Instagram pages where I post little updates and different things on both of those. So check it out there. But let's dive into the world of college football. Week three just ended. Not a whole lot of stuff. There was some cool stuff that happened, and we'll dive into that. But a lot more about what's going to be happening going on into um, college football is coming up week four. We got some big games coming up this week. And, of course, Trey Pack and I will dive into more of those as we talk. I'll give you a brief overview at the end of this segment. But you look at... And what's sad is we're a quarter of the way done already with college football, which is sad. And that's why I think, again, just the craziness and the lovability of college football is because, again, how short the season truly, truly is when you talk about the regular season. But I look right now, you look at everything going on. I've got right now 10 teams with really a top chance to make the college football playoff. Of course, you've got the teams right at the top. You've got Clemson, who is taking care of business. They've gotten through, it looks like, the toughest part of their schedule. Really, when you break everything down, they took care of Syracuse uh, last week, and then the week before, they took care of Texas A&M. So, again... Who knows what's going to happen in that Atlantic division, but it just doesn't look like you've got much of a challenge there. That's why I'm not as worried about Trevor Lawrence as a lot of people are, because, I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of competition maybe until the end of the year. I mean, UVA might be the only big challenge that they have, and that's probably going to be in the ACC title game, and you know they're going to be razor-focused at that point. Also, though, with Clemson, they do have to be careful because... They might have to go 13-0 to make the playoffs, depending on how everything else shapes up. You look at Alabama. Alabama taking care of business, of course, took care of South Carolina. Najee Harris, what an incredible run. That's one of the runs of the year already 
in college football. Just a great play. You could give him the SB now, just depending on how things shape up. But Alabama always taking care of business. But then you've got Georgia and LSU. So you've got, and also you can throw Auburn in there. You've got all of these teams, only one of them, by the way, in the SEC East. We'll talk about that in a second. But all of them are going to probably end up playing each other at one point or another. Georgia has to play. Uh, they have to play Auburn, of course, in their rivalry game, and they're probably going to end up playing Alabama or LSU in the SEC title game, the way everything shapes up. We'll have to wait and see. But I have a feeling just the way things are going so far, you're probably going to have two teams out of the SEC in this uh, college football playoff. People are throwing three in there. I don't see that as a possibility at this point. I don't think the committee, unless they have absolutely no choice are going to let that happen. Of course, Alabama looked great. Georgia looked great. Of course, they've got a big one against Notre Dame happening between the hedges uh, this coming week. So we'll see where Georgia is at the end of that, and that's why Notre Dame still has a really good chance to make the college football playoff. LSU has looked phenomenal so far as the season has progressed. They do have to go to Vanderbilt. Again, they should win that game. But again, weird things happen noon or 11 a.m., in Nashville. Weird things can happen there. Oklahoma, I think, has the best chance out of the Big 12. Of course, who knows what they've got with Texas, who does still have an outside shot if everything goes right. Ohio State, to me, is leading the Big 10. I know I picked Michigan back in the preseason, but my goodness, Ohio State has looked the best out of any Big 10 team so far. And again, it is early, but these are just the projections I'm seeing right now. Again, Notre Dame with their schedule. I still don't see them coming out with just one or two losses. They could maybe have two losses, but again, two losses, I don't think you're going to be able to make it into the college football playoff. Utah, right now, that's where the Pac-12 is going to have to hitch their wagon because, my goodness, they're running into some issues with, I mean, Washington and Oregon have both already lost, and I just don't think the strength of that, the schedule that you have out in the Pac-12 is going to let you get out with just one loss, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Utah, their big test coming at USC, that's happening on Friday. So that's a big one coming up this week. For There's a lot of prove-it games coming up, which is great to see. Two other teams, Michigan and Wisconsin, they are playing each other this week as well. That one's happening in Madison. The students, they'll be jumping around there in Madtown as things go there. That's, again, going to be prove-it. If Michigan wants to be where everybody thinks they should be, they've got to beat Wisconsin in this game and not show that Harbaugh is just an average coach in the Big Ten. Also, you look at Central Florida. They blew out Stanford. My goodness. They put a beating on them. They finally had a national primetime game to showcase what they have and an opponent coming to their place. Now, I have argued that Central Florida... Again, I credit Stanford for going all the way across the country to play them at their place, and that's great. But... We talked about this on previous podcasts where Central Florida had an opportunity with Florida to have like a three for one where they had to play in the swamp three times, but then Florida would come to their place once. I still think that's something that they're going to need to do. If they want to keep building this program, they're going to have to go on the road for these to get that one home game against that same opponent. And again, they showcased it here. We'll see again how the rest of the American Athletic Conference shapes up, but 
they're going to still be in that position to be in that conversation as long as they stay undefeated. Of course, Texas still has plenty to play for. They beat Oklahoma. They run the table. They're going to be in that playoff position. Who knows? We'll have to see what happens there. Penn State, they're still in it with the Big Ten. I don't know if they're going to be able to get over the hump of Ohio State, especially. We'll just have to see. Iowa, they had a great contest against Iowa State. My goodness, though, you got to feel for the Iowa State guys. The gunner running into his own uh, return man and hitting the ball and causing a fumble, and that's what caused the game to end. That you didn't, Iowa State just didn't give themselves a chance to win the game at the end, and that's just heartbreaking. Washington State is still undefeated, but my goodness, I think they're outside chance. They've got to play Oregon and Washington in the regular season, and Mike Leach has not beaten the Huskies yet. So we'll have to, again, this is just taking a look at some of the top teams that I think have a chance to make the playoff, but we'll just have to see the, you know, we've got the top teams and then we've got the ones on the outside. UVA out of the ACC, if they can run the table and then end up beating Clemson, you know they're going to be in it, but I just don't see that happening. I don't believe that UVA is going to get over that hump at this point. They're great, and Bronco Mendenhall has brought them back a long, long way from where they were, but I don't think they're all the way there just yet. So that's my take on some of these games that have happened over uh, the week, but let's also talk real quick about some coaching decisions, as coaches apparently have stopped understanding math. We touched on it a little bit last week, with Harbaugh just making some weird decisions about when and what to do and go for and punt and kick field goals and things against Army with the, you know you have these analytics and everything which again I love the idea of analytics and using all that data but again I am someone who says it's just part of what you need to make the right decision you can't just rely on it solely to be the only thing that drives it. Butch Jones would do that, especially, I think it was that 2015 game against Florida that just drove me up a wall with some of the decisions he made based on analytics and everything, where sometimes, yes, you can use it to make a decision, but sometimes you've got to go with your gut. The biggest example from last week was Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of Pitt. They're down 17-10 to at Penn State, their rival, and it's fourth and goal from the Penn State one. They've tried it a few times. They have not been able to hit pay dirt. It's under five minutes to go when, again, you go for it and you make it. Guess what? You've tied, which is what you want as long as you make the extra point. If you don't make it, then Penn State still has to go 99 yards. They're probably going to play rather conservatively back down there because they don't want to give up a safety or anything of that magnitude. So what you see then is... They can use all their timeouts. I believe Pitt had all of their timeouts. Instead, though, Narduzzi elected to kick a field goal, which was missed. Yes, it was a 19-yard field goal and from a really tough angle. You still got to make that kick if you're a college kicker. And then he goes on and talks about blaming you know, a bunch of armchair quarterbacks questioning his decision. I'm going to question his decision because even if you kick the field goal, you still need a touchdown to win. So you're still in almost the same predicament where at least if you've tied, you can play defense and make sure that Penn State doesn't kick a field goal or get a touchdown of their own. I just think that was just mind-boggling, especially when you look at since 2008, 
teams that go for it on fourth and one from the opponent's one score 70% of the time. They get those touchdowns. So, again, I would question that to high heaven every time I bring it up with him. So, that just again, you got to be good at math sometimes and figure things out. The other one, talk about basic math, counting. Counting's a big thing, apparently, that they don't do in East Lansing because Michigan State lining up for a field goal that would have tied the game with Arizona State at 10-all. Great scoring game there. Michigan State, again, great defense, zero offense at all. Just bet the under anytime they play. Even if the under's 10 points, you probably want to take the under with them. But they lined up for a field goal to tie, and they had 12 men on the field for that field goal. They kicked it. It was good, but 12 men move it back five yards, then they miss it. Now, yes, I know that the Pac-12 officials made a huge gaffe where they did not call for leaping on that second one. But it shouldn't have come to that because, again, someone on your coaching staff needs to learn how to freaking count and put the right personnel on the field. It's, again, you just need to look at it. like Something doesn't look right here because there's an extra guy. That's how this works. It blows my mind sometimes how they don't just need... They need a coach. And I would volunteer if Tennessee ever needed this. If Tennessee came calling and needed a coach of common sense with certain decisions, that should be me. I should have veto power to override a dumb decision and be like, no, 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 no. Go for that touchdown. You you have to. You're at the one. Go for it. But again, that's you, you need to pay people for that. So, again... Coaches sometimes just don't do math very well, and they need to figure that out. And again, have a coach of common sense, someone in their ear, just to say, hey, stop being stupid and just do what you're supposed to do here. And who cares what the analytics say? And again, analytics is just merely extra information, just like everything else you have to make that decision. You don't, (laughs) you get paid as coaches to make the right decision and win football games. And when you don't, you just, you drop it. So anyway, a couple of other things here on the week that was in college football for Tennessee fans. This had to be some good news. BYU, after of course, just the mind boggling loss that Tennessee had to BYU, they beat USC in overtime. So BYU has become kings of overtime. It looks like BYU getting an interception in the extra frame to knock off USC and of course start the Urban Meyer uh, hiring train and just the thought that Urban Meyer is going to go out to Los Angeles and save USC, especially now that they've lost that game in overtime to BYU. Also, though, Georgia State won last week. They were destroyed by Western Michigan in week three by like 50 points or something like that. So that was not good. Florida, they found a way to beat Kentucky. It's what I talked about with Tennessee, where they just don't f- they find ways to lose games and not find ways to win games anymore. Florida was able to rally. Uh, Felipe Franks, at, when he was even in the game, Kentucky was dominating this football game, and then he just in a horrible injury just dislocates his ankle. I I watched it once, did not need to watch it again. That was horrible to see. He's gone for the rest of the season. And now Florida brings in their uh, redshirt junior quarterback. So he's been in the system for four years, Kyle Trask. And, hey, he leads them back. They find a way to win. Kentucky, of course, found a way to lose it. They, I think it was like a 35-yard field goal. Missed it. And that was just excruciating to see. But 
Florida, again, and this is why we talk about this with Tennessee and Florida, people are like, oh, Tennessee's going in with a win, and now Florida is down to their backup quarterback. Tennessee, if you look at the history, especially recent history with Tennessee and Florida, we can make Florida backup quarterbacks look like Heisman winners when we play them, and that's why Tennessee is lost. Part of the reason they've lost 14 out of the last 15 to the Gators. So just keep that in mind as the week goes on with that. Uh Hats off to the Sunflower State. The state of Kansas had two terrific wins. Of course, Kansas State hasn't gone down the complete downhill slide that Kansas has, though they did win at Mississippi State. They haven't won at an SEC school in a long time. And they won at Mississippi State, which was great to see. But then Les Miles with Kansas, they defeated Boston College by 24 points. My goodness. And this is after losing last week to Coastal Carolina, the Jayhawks beating Boston College, who Boston College, by the way, beat Virginia Tech to open the season, so who knows where the heck their head's at in all this. But for Kansas, it was the first Power 5 road win in 11 years. It's been 48 games since they won a game at a Power 5 school on the road. So hats off to Les Miles and hats off to Kansas. It's the first time in 24 years that both Kansas and Kansas State won a non-conference road game uh, together in the same week. So congratulations to them. Meanwhile, moving over real quick to my beloved Tennessee Falls, defeating Chattanooga 45 to nothing. I believe if you followed me on the podcast and on social media, I had it at 45 to 10. I got part of it right. Chattanooga should have had the 10, but Tennessee was able to get five turnovers in the game, which was great to see. Just great to have a win. I was at the game. Hey, it wasn't a full Neyland Stadium, but plenty of people just showed up for a noon kick and what it really showed too was that the guys still cared the team because st- again after the two just just stupefying losses that Tennessee had to open the season and now you've got a noon kickoff against an FCS school which you could just you could even sleepwalk through and win of course we thought they should have done that against Georgia State Tennessee in this game played like they should have against Georgia State scoring three touchdowns in the first like seven minutes of the game, including a block punt, which was great to see on special teams, just the effort that these guys had. It was great to see. Yes, I know. And people are going to keep saying, yes, it was Chattanooga. But after the start they had, this was great to see. I'm still not going to pick Tennessee to beat Florida. I'm not that crazy. But it was good to see. I feel better going into the Florida game. The problem is I still feel... I would still pick Tennessee to lose to Florida, even if we started the season 3-0. Just the way everything works, Florida's defensive line, Tennessee's weakness on offense, and also this game also really showed to me that Garantano, still the best quarterback that we've got. Maurer and Shroud both got a good look, and they played a lot. They played all the second half together, and it just doesn't look like either of them is ready to go. So Garantano or Tano is in there, and he's going to be our guy, whether you want it to be him or not. He's going to be the one that's going to give you right now the best chance to win, especially down in the swamp. So that's my take on it. We'll have to see what happens there. A couple of really cool things that SEC schools did, included my beloved Vols. The t-shirts that we talked about uh, last week where Tennessee, they created the t-shirts after giving them the swag and all of that. I think 
Over 55,000 shirts have been pre-ordered and sold. The band was wearing them. Smokey was wearing them. They had it painted on The Rock until some idiot decided to make some anti-Semitic post on The Rock, which is a whole nother debate that we could talk about. My goodness, we take one step forward and then we take two steps back with the stupidity. Are you kidding me with crap like that? That's just insane and dumb to see. But again, Tennessee doing the right thing. Uh, They even talked about it on WWE Raw, which was live in Knoxville, which I thought was really cool. And then Georgia fans also, yes, they were playing Arkansas State and beat them 55 to nothing, but they paid a really good tribute as a lot of the fans, especially in the student section, wore pink in tribute to Arkansas State coach uh, Blake Anderson. His wife, Wendy, passed away uh, of breast cancer on August 19th, which again has been tough. He took a leave of absinthe. But it's just wonderful to see, again, the opposing fans doing something. They didn't have to do that, and that was just the right thing to do. So hats off to Georgia, and trust me, the Georgia fans doing the good thing there, that was really nice to see. You hear about all the crap that just happens around the world, and when you see good things, it just makes you feel better. Or it should, unless you're just an awful human being, which, at that point, I can't help you. So, But we've got it there. Thank you again to all the great fans here in Vol Nation stepping up. We might not be looking really great on the football field right now, but we're doing really good things out there with the t-shirts. Also, offering that kid a full scholarship when he is eligible for it, and if he meets all the academic requirements, he gets a full ride to UT, which is great. Sometimes I wish I would it would have been interesting to see if all the bullying that I got living in Ohio for being a Tennessee fan uh, compared to what was happening to him down in Florida back when I was a kid, if social media was around, we would have been interesting to see. I would have loved a full ride. I'm sure my parents would have loved for me to get a full ride. But, hey, hats off to that kid. And, again, hats off to Georgia uh, fans for doing the right thing there. Real quick, we will talk about all the big week four games. We've talked about them a little bit. We will preview them, of course, more on the Friday edition of Modern Day Gladiators. So stay tuned for that as Trey Pack and I break them all down. But you've got Georgia versus Notre Dame between the hedges. It's going to be great. Georgia won up in South Bend last time they tussled. So this one should be another great one. Oklahoma State at Texas. Oklahoma State has looked really good, even though they're not ranked, so Texas needs to be on their guard in that one. Washington at BYU. Can BYU knock off another Pac-12 school? We'll have to see what happens there, but again, we we can see BYU has been able to do some interesting things, and if it gets to overtime, I'm going to go with BYU in that one. Uh, Central Florida is now traveling up to Pittsburgh, where, hey, if Pat Narduzzi is going to be bad at math, that's going to favor UCF even more than they probably already are favored in that one. Auburn versus Texas A&M, another top 25 matchup. Auburn, if they want to be there at the end and prove that they belong in that same conversation that I just had with Georgia, LSU, and Alabama, they got to beat Texas A&M there in Kyle Field. Cal at Ole Miss. This is a really good one. Cal still undefeated as well. Justin Wilcox doing some really good things on the defensive side of the football. If he travels down to Oxford, if Cal can get the win there, they could maybe do some things. Of course, we've talked Tennessee, Florida. We've got Michigan, Wisconsin. Talked about that one. Again, a big prove-it game for Jim Harbaugh. And a couple of great games on Friday. We already talked Utah at USC. If Utah wants to carry the banner for the Pac-12, they're going to have to beat USC in that one in the Coliseum. And then you've got another great one, Air Force, who just won in overtime over Colorado and 
at Boise State. Boise State wants to keep it up in, uh, I can't even talk. I'm so excited about how great week four is going to be. If Boise State wants to keep pace with Central Florida in being that top team to get into one of those New Year's Six bowl games, they're going to have to win that one at home on the blue turf. That's going to wrap up this first segment of Modern Day Gladiators. As we just mentioned real quick, Maryland What happened to you? My mom's beloved alma mater stubbing their toe. They looked great beating Howard and then just winning, just doing great things. Maryland scoring all those points and blowing out Syracuse. And then they lose at Temple. And they had umpteen chances to win that game. My goodness. Just horrible there. Also, Florida State, uh, you're going to have to watch out for some kids who have some lemonade stands. Now, this was a four-year-old son of an FSU booster, so you can only take this story with so much. But, hey, he's trying to raise lemonade to uh, raise enough money to buy out Coach Willie Taggart after their loss at UVA over the weekend. So, we'll see what happens. Of course, that's why I love college football, all the craziness that has happened and is looking to happen as well. But we're going to take a break. We'll be back with shibbles and bits with everything else in the world of sports and all of professional wrestling right after this. You're listening to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music. It's time for Shibbles and Bits, but first, before we dive into everything else in the world of sports, I gotta thank a couple of our sponsors. Joe Shirt. You go to joeshirt.com. You can check out everything that they've got. If you've got an idea for a t-shirt, for your, you know, comedy troupe, or family reunion, picnic, company outing, what have you. Uh, Joe Shirt, they can help make it happen. They've got a great team there. They've got great, comfortable shirts that you will want to wear more than just at the event or whatever you're doing. So check them out. They can help you. You go to joeshirt.com. They've been doing this for over 30 years. They're based here in Knoxville, Tennessee, where they've got some great ideas and great things there. Also, Joe Shirt Deluxe can help you if you want banners, if you want mugs or pencils, whatever idea that you have, Joe Shirt, they can help you expand that brand and make it what you want it to be. Again, go to joeshirt.com. They've got great rates. Tell them we sent you here at Outlander. We've got some great swag coming from them again, so always stay tuned for that. Also, we got to say thank you to Otherworldly Coffee. You go to otherworldlycoffee.com. Check out all the great coffees you got. If you're someone who likes to down energy drinks and probably thinks you're drinking too much of them, then Otherworldly Coffee is for you. You've got the Bigfoot blend. You've got the Mothra blend. You've got all the other great ones they've got. They will blow you up. If you want some great coffee and check out some great stuff, check them out, otherworldlycoffee.com. If you go there and use the code OUTLANDER at checkout, you're going to save 20% off your purchase. So check them out there. And again, it just lets you know Outlander Media sent you. That's awesome to see. And we thank you guys for helping them out. And again, thanks to Joe Shirt and Otherworldly Coffee for helping us here at Modern Day Gladiators. Let's dive in real quick to Shibbles and Bits. First big news, and of course we'll see where this goes from here, but the California Fair Pay for Play Act did pass the Senate. It already passed the House unanimously. It has moved on to Governor uh, Gavin Newsom's desk for his signature. He's got 30 days to sign it. 
And if he does, it again will give California uh, university students an opportunity to make money off their likeness and sign deals and different things like that, which again, I think is great. I think it's something that will help wake the NCAA up when it comes to a lot of these things. Uh, We'll see. Of course, there will be a three-year waiting period for it to go into law. It will go in as soon as January 1st, 2023. We'll see where it goes from there. And of course, obviously, the NCAA is going to keep challenging it. Honestly, if I think this, and then more states are coming to look at something like this. South Carolina is considering a bill as well where they're thinking of the money that the students Uh, make it goes into a trust fund that they get upon graduation which is another idea that's been kicked around for some time again i think this if more states keep doing it it's going to let uh, the ncaa have to realize that they need to lack some things and make some new rule changes because these guys you've got so much social media and again they can't make money any other way they can't have straight jobs like a lot of a lot of other college students have so Hey, we'll have to see where this all goes. We'll break down this more as, of course, more of this story develops. USA Basketball. Yeah, they did qualify for the Olympics, but they did not look good in the Basketball International World Cup. Oh, my goodness. Into the medal route. They lost to France in the quarterfinals, and then in the placement, they lost to Serbia. They did defeat Poland, so they were able to finish at least seventh. They didn't finish eighth. It still was the worst outing for a USA team since NBA players have been allowed to play. Because they always talk about, oh, this country has five NBA players. This country has four. Well, guess what? Um, The USA has 12. They always have NBA players. Of course, a lot of the top, top stars did not play. So we'll have to see where that goes with the Olympics. I mean, my goodness, though. Uh, if you get Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Seth Curry and all those guys and Anthony Davis, if any of them play next year in Tokyo in the Olympics, we should be uh, winning the gold medal there where it seems like it really, really matters. But hey, hats off to Spain who defeated Argentina in the final 95-75. to A couple of the NBA guys, Ricky Rubio and then Willie and Juan uh, Herna Gomez, and of course, Mark Gasol. Who's had a better summer than Mark Gasol? He wins an NBA title with the Raptors, and now he wins a FIBA World Cup with Spain. So hats off to him. Another hats off here at Modern Day Gladiators to University of Virginia basketball coach Tony Bennett. He had a chance they were going to give him a raise, of course, for winning a national championship for the first time in school history. Uh, He declined the raise. He did get his contract extended one more year through the 2025-26 season, but and he's already set to make $4.15 million. But the raise, the money he said, they want to take the money from whatever raise they were going to give him and use it for the rest of his staff and also other programs there at UVA that could use it. So hats off to him. Big upset in the world of international soccer in the Premier League. Uh, Norwich City, which had just gotten promoted from the championship level to level down in in England, shocked Manchester City three to two at Carroll Road. The odds were eighteen to one on Norwich City, so uh, uh, a one dollar bet was going to get you eighteen bucks. You bet a hundred bucks, you get eighteen hundred. That would be a pretty good one. Uh, which again, Man City, my goodness, you saw. What happened with Manchester City and Liverpool last year where Liverpool had the third highest point total 
in Premier League history, and they still couldn't win the title because Man City had that one extra point. So this could be a lot in the long run, as Liverpool is right now five points clear of Manchester City. Moving in to Alabama, when it comes to college football, Nick Saban has talked about this a couple of times at press conferences. It's getting annoying, actually, how much he whines about it. I mean, I guess when you're just competing and making the college football playoff every year, I guess you need something to whine about. But talk about fans, especially students, not staying for the whole game. So Alabama, on their student, I guess, activities app that they have, they're now allowing Alabama students to be tracked by the app to see if they have stayed at the game the whole time. Uh, through at least uh, partway through the fourth quarter, they're going to get more bonus points and loyalty points if you do this, which gives you priority access to tickets. And again, Alabama has raised issue because they get a lot of these, well, noon kickoffs here in Eastern time, but they are over in Central time, so they're an 11 a.m. kick. But when you're playing Southern Miss, and again, you can look at it because LSU, so much of their you know, aura is always a night game in Tiger Valley in Death Valley. I don't know. It's something really weird to whine about. If I'm Tennessee, I'm just happy to be on TV at this point, the way they've been playing. So again, but by the way, the system's not going to go how you think, because a lot of fraternity guys are just going to have that one pledge who has to stay at the game. Just give him 60 phones for the rest of the fraternity and have him just get them all at that point. So it's not going to go the way Alabama thinks. And again, that is a whole privacy issue of tracking you and all those other things that I don't want to fully consent to when it comes to stuff like that. But that's just me. You look also at some other controversies. This is something interesting that happened. I don't know how many of you followed this story. It happened in Alaska. An Alaska swimmer, a 17-year-old high school swimmer, uh, won her 100-meter freestyle race and then was told that she was disqualified because of a uniform violation. What ended up happening was the team-issued uniform or team-issued swimsuit for the female swimmers, uh, ended up uh, exposing too much of her buttocks. She had a wedgie, is what happened. And any of you who've swam competitively know, especially some of the friends I know who've swam competitively as female, know wedgies happen. And again, it's one of the other um, referees and officials that they talked to told the other referee who was going to do this, this is going to blow back on you in a way you don't want to happen. And it did because, again, this is a girl who um, is a mixed-race girl, so she's a little curvier maybe than some of the others. Again, wedgies happen. That's just how some of these things go when it looks. It, Unless, honestly, seriously, unless you can blatantly tell that this girl was doing it on purpose and why you would give yourself a wedgie is beyond me. I mean, the fact that so many girls wear thongs and seem to be comfortable with that is out of my comprehension, really, when it comes to a lot of these things. But this is a body image thing that you just don't need to get involved in unless you can blatantly see if she's walking in front of you and hiking it up and giving herself a wedgie. It's not the only way you need to disqualify her for that, for crying out loud. Good thing was, though, that uh, cooler heads did prevail as the Alaska School Activities Association overturned the decision which didn't need to be made in the first place. So hopefully nothing like that will blow up again. I'm sure we'll see it, though. If the news happens, we will talk about it here on Modern Day Gladiators. 
couple of ranking news to come here as, of course, baseball races heating up as we round the stretch and get closer and closer to October and postseason baseball. The AL East almost is all but decided. The New York Yankees, they are up nine on the Tampa Bay Rays. The AL Central looks to be about the only race that still has any type of interest left in it or competitiveness. Minnesota, they're only up four and a half on Cleveland, so of course that can change quickly. The AL West, Houston is up seven and a half games on Oakland. I don't know if Oakland's got the horses to stay in that one. Meanwhile, in the wild card, Oakland does have the wild card as well, and they are a game and a half up on Tampa Bay, who's got the second wild card. Now, Cleveland is a game and a half back of the wild card, so of course, that's going to heat up there in the American League. Meanwhile, on the senior circuit, the National League, the Atlanta Braves have already clinched a playoff spot, not won the division yet, but they are up nine and a half games on the Washington Nationals. The St. Louis Cardinals are up two games in the NL Central. Uh, the Chicago Cubs are three games back of them, and Milwaukee is a game uh, behind as well. They're four games back of the Cardinals, so that one could go down to the wire. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers for clinching their seventh division title in a row already. They are in it, and they are looking good, and now they can just get ready for the playoffs. Meanwhile, the NL wildcard race, the Nationals are up a game and a half on the Cubs, who are in the second wildcard spot, uh, with Milwaukee a game back nipping at their heels, and the New York Mets are not fully out of it yet. They are four games back as well, so there is going to be a race to the finish. Can't wait to see what happens there. NFL news, a big week two in NFL as we lose some quarterbacks, which has been big. Ben Roethlisberger is out for the season, having elbow issues. He is gone so we'll have to see is this it for Ben Roethlisberger we'll have to see he's going to be 38 by the time he gets back we'll see where they go from there meanwhile Drew Brees had surgery on his throwing thumb with ligament damage he's out at least six weeks they're looking and that could be big for the Saints of course they've got Teddy Bridgewater who's the highest paid backup but we'll have to see where all that shakes out and if they're able to maintain that division is not looking as powerful as I once thought it was the the Panthers and the Buccaneers do not look to be very good and the Falcons even though they did beat the Eagles I do not trust the Falcons at all to do anything in that division we'll have to see where it all goes and of course the big news too Daniel Jones is going to now replace Eli Manning as the Giants starting quarterback uh, of course that was the big you know controversial draft decision from the Giants going with Daniel Jones out of Duke of course coached by David Cutcliffe who also coached Eli Manning in college and Peyton Manning is the offensive coordinator at UT so we'll see where all that shakes out but again big news there is it looks like Eli Manning might not have it anymore we'll have to see where all that goes my rankings my power rankings as we wrap up shivels and bits I've got the Patriots still number one, just dominating competition so far. Chiefs still at number two. They're going to play the Ravens, who I have at number four. That's going to be a great matchup on Sunday. The Rams I've got at three. Again, the Ravens at four. Cowboys have moved all the way up to number five. The Packers up to six. The Seahawks, I like what they're doing on defense. I've got them at uh, behind them. And then I've got the Eagles. Still, yes, they lost in Atlanta, but I've still got the Eagles up in my top 12. The Saints... Even with Drew Brees' injury, they've got a lot of weapons. We'll see how this shakes out. Of course, things can change. The Chargers still looking good. 
the Texans I've still got up there, and my beautiful 49ers, 2-0. Yes, they really haven't beaten anybody, but hey, might as well put them in my power rankings. They're my team. I'm allowed to have them up there, at least for this week. We'll see what happens next week. But that's going to wrap up Shibbles and Bits. Thank you guys for turning me. Turn the page over to everything that happened in the world of professional wrestling. All big news with the WWE. Seth Rollins retained his Universal Championship at Clash of Champions, but the big news, of course, as they were about to fade to black and end the broadcast, the fiend Bray Wyatt's alter ego came out and just attacked uh, Seth Rollins. It looks like they're going to meet inside a Hell in a Cell at the Hell in a Cell event. Um, The only uh, titles that changed hands were the tag tag team championships at uh, Clash of Champions, The Revival, are your new SmackDown Tag Team Champions, and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are your new Raw Tag Team Champions. Also, the Bludgeon Brothers have reunited as Rowan was taking on Roman Reigns in a no-DQ match, but Luke Harper comes out of nowhere and from obscurity at this point and reunites with Rowan uh, to help him defeat Roman Reigns. So that's big news coming out from there, of course, Raw was live in Knoxville, here in my beautiful hometown. Glenn Jacobs, of course, known as Kane, our mayor in Knox County, uh, defeated our truth uh, throwing him in against the goalpost in Neyland Stadium to become the 24-7 champion, but of course, R-Truth was able to roll him up outside his limousine to get it back. Kane did make an appearance to try and save Seth Rollins from a beatdown from uh, the OC and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, and he was able to make the save, but before he could set off his pyro, uh, The Fiend showed up and beat the crap out of Kane. So, really, with The Fiend, you gotta pull the trigger on him at this point. You can't just build this guy up to look like this unstoppable force and then have Seth Rollins sneak out a win inside Hell in a Cell. Pull the trigger on him. Give him the title. You can always give it back to Seth Rollins at some point, but you need to pull the trigger on him right now. And of course, what it's looking like with on the SmackDown side, uh, Kofi Kingston did retain. I did not see that coming. He did defeat Randy Orton at Clash of Champions, but now it looks like Kofi Kingston's just going to hold on to it until Brock Lesnar comes in on probably the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox and beats the tar out of him and becomes the WWE champion. That's what I see. We'll have to see. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, hey, come at me on Twitter at Michaels underscore Shibley and make fun of me for being wrong. Because, hey, I'm wrong every once in a while, but I'm right more often than not. That's going to wrap up this edition of Modern Day Gladiators. Again, tune in Friday for the next release as Trey Pack and I break down everything else in the world of college football. But until then, too sweet. Love ya. See you next time.